you take your Bibles this morning and let's turn over to Jeremiah chapter 32. <clears throat> Jeremiah chapter 32. I'd like to title the message, In Times of Perplexity. Are you ever there? Where you're trying to figure out what God wants you to do? Or you know God wants you to do something, you can't figure out why uh, the Lord wants you to do that. And we see that in the life of uh, Jeremiah here in Jeremiah 32. If you'll stand with me as I read, beginning with verse 1. It says, The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the tenth year of Zedekiah, king of Judah, which was the eighteenth year of Nebuchadnezzar. For then the king of Babylon's army besieged Jerusalem, and uh, Jeremiah the prophet was shut up in the court of the prison, which was in the king of Judah's house. For Zedekiah, king of Judah, had shut him up, saying, Wherefore dost thou prophesy and say, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will give this city into the hand of the king of Babylon, and he shall take it. And Zedekiah, king of Judah, shall not escape out of the hand of the Chaldeans, but shall surely be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon, and shall speak with him mouth to mouth, and his eyes shall behold his eyes. And he shall lead Zedekiah to Babylon, and there shall be there shall he be until I visit him, saith the Lord. Though ye fight with the Chaldeans, ye shall not prosper. And Jeremiah said, The word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Behold, Hanamiel, the son of Shalom, thine uncle, shall come to thee, saying, Buy thee my field, that is an Anathoth, for the right of redemption is thine to buy it. So Hanamiel, mine uncle's son, came to me in the court of the prison, according to the word of the Lord, and said unto me, By my field I pray thee, that is an Anathoth, which is in the country of Benjamin, for the right of inheritance is thine, and the redemption is thine, buy it for thyself. Then I knew that this was the word of the Lord, and I bought the field of Hanamiel, my uncle's son, that was in Anathoth, and weighed him the money, even 17 shekels of silver. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. <clears throat> As we look into your word, we ask that you would speak to our hearts. Guide us as we look into the life of Jeremiah and see how he responded in the times of perplexity that he faced. We commit this time to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. What was the perplexity that Jeremiah was facing? When you look at the circumstances, try to put yourself in Jeremiah's shoes. It says, in the tenth year of Zedekiah, so at this point, Jerusalem had been surrounded by the Babylonian army for several months. It started in the ninth year, and it lasted for a year and a half that they are besieged by the Babylonian army. Jeremiah has prophesied and told them the city will be 
defeated <coughs> and destroyed. So now for several months they have endured the siege. Jeremiah, because he has prophesied against the city, has been arrested and has been put into the court of the prison. So things aren't going very well for Jeremiah at this time. There's the suffering, not only personally, but the suffering as he sees what's happening to the people that he loves. We know he's the weeping prophet. Back in chapter 9, Oh, that my head were fountain of tears, that I may weep over the slain of the daughters of uh, Jerusalem. So here's a broken-hearted prophet that is watching take place the destruction of his people because of their sin. So in the midst of this suffering, God speaks to him and says, your cousin is going to come and ask you to redeem the land that he owns. And that's exactly what happens. And so, Jeremiah understands this is the word of the Lord. This is God's will, God's command for me. But then he begins thinking, why? The Babylonians are in control of everything. What good will it do to buy this piece of land when the Babylonians already control what's going on in the country? They've already defeated most of the country. Only Jerusalem uh, remains uh, at this point. And what good will it do to buy a piece of land that I can't possess and that I can't use? <clears throat> and not to mention he's in prison at the time uh, anyway. I can imagine also that funds are becoming less and less available because of the siege. So he's a little perplexed at what God is asking him to do at this point. So as we look at this, then there are several principles I want us to see from the life of Jeremiah that I pray will help you in times of perplexity when you don't know what God wants you to do, or sometimes you do know and you don't understand why, Lord. Why should, why do you want me to do this? It doesn't make any sense to me. So as we look here, the first thing I want us to notice, that in the midst of everything that is going on, Jeremiah maintained a close walk with the Lord. And that's what we must do. That's always the, the, the key, is in the midst of what's taking place, we see the Lord is constantly talking to Jeremiah. Then the word of the Lord came to me, Jeremiah says. Then I knew this was the word of the Lord. And so then he prays, and the word of the Lord comes to him again. You know, in times of perplexity, in the times of suffering, in the times of pressure, it's easy for our walk with the Lord to be neglected, isn't it? 
It's easy in the midst of exams and the, all the projects that have got to be finished and uh, turned in. It's easy to neglect our time with the Lord, isn't it? But that's when we need the Lord's strength. That's when we need the Lord's guidance. That's when we need uh, the Lord's help. And we see throughout everything that's taking place, Jeremiah maintains that close walk with the Lord so that he may not understand what God's doing, but God is communicating with him. God is speaking uh, to him. So that's the first principle that we see is you have to maintain that close walk with the Lord regardless of what the circumstances are. Regardless of what you may be going through, and when you look at what Jeremiah was going through, it would have been easy to give up. It would have been easy, you know, he's uh, suffering, he's seeing the people suffer, but he stays close to the Lord. Second that I want you to notice here is not only does he stay close to the Lord, but he obeys what he knows is God's will. Now, he doesn't understand it, but he obeys it. He says, the word of the Lord came to me. Your cousin, your uncle's son is going to come and say, redeem the property. Uh, you have a right to do that. And then here comes his uncle's son. And he says, then I knew this was the word of the Lord. And I bought the field. I don't understand. I don't know why. But God said, this is what I want you to do. And Jeremiah does it. Now that's hard sometimes, isn't it? When God tells us to do something, when God moves in, in our heart, uh, you know, a number in one of our classes, our students had to read, you know, about Hudson Taylor. And, you know, as he was preparing to go to the mission field, trying to learn to live by faith before he ever left, because he says, if I don't learn to live by faith now, how am I going to do it when I get to China? And so he's asked to come visit this family that uh, is sick, and they're very poor, and they have a need, and the Lord speaks to his heart and says, Give that coin that you have to them. You know, and he wants to argue with the Lord. But Lord, I, I need this. I've got things, that, you know, bills I've got to pay, etc. But finally, he knows that's what God wants him to do. And he gives the coin to this very needy family. And then he sees God provide his needs as well. But here, Jeremiah is told, go buy the field. So he buys the field, and he gives to Beirut then the evidences stored in a, in a jar, go through all the process of buying uh, and recording then the deed for uh, the property. And then he starts talking to the Lord. So that's the third principle, pray. When you don't understand, when you're perplexed about what God is doing in your life or what He's asking you to do that maybe you don't understand, it's always good to pray, isn't it? So look in verse 16. Now, when I had delivered the evidence of the purchase unto Baruch, the son of Neriah, 
I prayed unto the Lord, saying, Ah, Lord God. Now, that word, ah, quite, quite frequently is translated, alas. It's an exclamation of uh, distress, bewilderment, don't know what to do. Four times, Jeremiah pray, begins his prayer with this statement. Back in chapter 1, when God called him, says, before you were shaped, says, I called you to be a prophet. And he says, ah, but Lord, I'm, I'm a child. I can't speak. And God says, well, I'm going to put my words in your mouth. And I'm going to be with you. You're going to be like a brazen wall. You're going to tear down, uh, uproot, and you're going to uh, build, and I will be with you. But the fact that God called him brought distress and bewilderment. Alas, Lord, me? And then on two other occasions where God was giving him a message and his response was, Alas, Lord, I don't understand, but I'm coming to you. So he prays, but then notice the content of his prayer. So we've looked, you know, first, maintain a close relationship to the Lord. Second, obey what you know God wants you to do. Third, pray. Carry your burdens to the Lord. Explain to Him. I'm, uh, we see throughout the book of Psalms, you know, in the life of David, uh, whether it's, How long, O Lord? Or, I don't understand, Lord, but I'm, you know, I'm looking to you. Uh, we see that with many. <clears throat> Others, with Jehoshaphat, when he was faced with a huge army. And he says, Lord, I don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. And so Jeremiah brings his concerns uh, to the Lord. But then that brings us to number four here. Principle, meditate on who the Lord is and what he's done. Lord, I don't understand what you're doing. I don't understand why you want me to buy this property when the Chaldeans already are in control of the country and the people are going into captivity for 70 years. I don't understand. <clears throat> but when we don't understand, that's when it's a good time to focus on who our Lord is. So though we may not understand what He's doing, it's always good to focus on who He is and what He has done. So that gives us confidence in what He's doing now uh, as well. So notice then, <coughs> verse 17, Ah, Lord God, behold, Thou hast made the heaven and the earth by Thy great power, and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. 
So he starts out by meditating on God's greatness. Now, is our God still great today? Is he still the creator? Yes. He's made the heavens uh, and uh, the earth. And is anything too hard for him today? No. Is anything too hard for him in your life? No. Is anything too hard for him in my life? No. Is anything too hard for him in reference to the college? No. He's still the creator. And nothing is too hard for him. And so Jeremiah begins by focusing on God's greatness. Lord, I don't understand about buying this property when it's going to be in control of the Chaldeans, but I know that you're great enough that nothing's too hard for you and that you can keep the land for us and that you can keep it in uh, the family and that you can make it worthwhile. I don't understand what you're doing, but I know who you are. And see, that's part of what Job had to learn, wasn't it? He didn't understand what God was doing in his life, but what was God's answer? Job, you need to understand who I am. You need to see me in my majesty, in my greatness, in my transcendence, and what I have done, and just trust me that I know what I'm doing in your life. And we need that quite frequently, don't we? To just trust the Lord that He knows what He's doing. He is the Creator. He's spoken, everything came into existence. He sustains the universe as it is today. He's made man in the wonders of his body and other things and how we see the universe being put together. He's the creator. Then he continues. He says, By thy great power and stretched out arm. And of course he uses that same phrase again Later in the prayer, in reference to redemption, when God brought him out of Egypt by his stretched out arm. And he's still stretching his arm out today, isn't he? As he does his great work, as he answers prayer, as he opens doors, as he provides needs. His stretched out arm that created the heavens and the earth is still stretching out today in behalf of his people. So then, verse 18, Thou showest loving kindness unto thousands. Now, we find that statement mentioned back in uh, Exodus 34, verse 6. When Moses had prayed and says, Lord, show me thy glory. And the Lord hid him in the cleft of the rock, passed by and declared his name. And that he is the Almighty, that He is the God who keeps mercy, that His loving kindness, He's slow to anger, full of compassion, showing loving kindness unto thousands. Now that word loving kindness, for all you Greek or Hebrew students of uh, here, the word kased, God's faithfulness, His loving kindness, His covenant relationship and faithfulness and love is just so much in that one word that God keeps His covenant. 
that God is faithful to His Word, to His people, to His promises. And so keeping loving kindness, covenant uh, with them, that God's going to be faithful to Jeremiah, no matter what his situation was at that very moment, which didn't look very good. But yet he says, God's been faithful all these years. God's kept him alive like he said he would, even though there had been plots against his life, uh, even though the princes had sought to put him uh, to death, even though they'd thrown him into the dungeon and many things had happened. God had said, I will be with you and that God would defend him and God had done so all those years. Then he says, Verse 19, well, verse 18, the great, the mighty God, the Lord of hosts, is His name. Now, has His name changed any? No. Is He still great? Is He still almighty? Is He still the mighty God, the Lord of hosts, in control of the host of heaven, the host on earth? He's in control of Nebuchadnezzar's army. He's in control of the uh, angels and all the others. And he continues in great in counsel, mighty in work, for thine eyes are open upon all the ways of the sons of men to give everyone according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. God is great in counsel. He knows what he's doing. He sees everything. He knows everything. And he knows the beginning from uh, the end as well. Verse 20, which has, not, which has set signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, even unto this day in Israel among other men, and has made thee a name as it is this day. It says, God has made himself a name. He had done so in behalf of Israel. When he opened up the Red Sea, when he destroyed the Egyptian army, when he provided for them in the wilderness, when he gave them victory over Sihon and Og, God had made himself a name in behalf of his people. Now, has God made himself a name today? Has he made himself a name in behalf of Ambassador Baptist College? Yes, when you see what God has done over the last uh, 33 years. God has made himself a name uh, here. God has made himself a name we see time and time again as we saw an answer to prayer just this past week with providing a building for the shores there in Scotland. God has made himself a name, hasn't he? As we see him answer prayer, as he made himself a name in your behalf, has He worked in providing your needs? Have you seen Him answer uh, prayer? When I was a college student, God made Himself a name in my life as He took me through four years of college. I didn't know where the funds would come from. I was a working uh, student. Each summer, I determined to serve the Lord and trust Him. And when it came graduation, I owed $100 and my best friend Paid $100, and I graduated uh, debt-free. But God made himself a name. Then as he called us to the Philippines, or even as a young pastor, 
I took a church, and it's a military uh, church. And so the first few months, halfway through the month, our offerings were not half of the budget. And so I would pray, say, Lord, I don't know uh, how you're going to do it, but every month the Lord provided the budget, even though halfway through the month we didn't have half the budget. I don't know how God did it, except He made Himself a name in behalf of His people and the church there in uh, Buford. When we went to the Philippines, as we saw God make Himself a name, as He opened doors, as He uh, answered prayer, and God wants to make Himself a name in your life, and to show you how great and faithful and mighty that He is, that He can be trusted. And so Jeremiah focuses on, says, The Lord has made Himself a name. He's still great. He's still on the throne. He's still faithful in His loving uh, kindness. And so I'm going to focus on Him. I don't understand what He's doing, but I know who He is. I know that He's good. I know that He's wise, that He's great in counsel. And even though I don't understand what He's doing, I know that He knows what He's doing. And He still knows what He's doing today, doesn't He? And so, meditate on the character and the works of God. And then finally, Listen to God's Word. God responded to Jeremiah's prayer. Look, if you would, in verse 27. Verse 26, Then came the word of the Lord unto Jeremiah, saying, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me. Now, what's the answer to that? No, there's nothing too hard for God. Is there anything too hard for God in your life? No, there isn't. And so, God's first answer to him is, Jeremiah, you made the statement, and it's true. There's nothing too hard for me. I've asked you to buy this piece of property Because I have a purpose. And God reveals to him the purpose. The purpose is, he says, even though I'm bringing judgment upon Jerusalem, even though they're going into captivity for 70 years, I will bring them back. I will restore to them. And land will be bought and sold, and recorded, and it will belong to my people, even though the Babylonians are in control right now. God is still in control of the Babylonians, isn't He? And God says this is for a sign. That they'll know that by you buying this, and taking the evidences, And obeying me, they will know that the land will still be theirs. That it will, they will be brought back. That 
as I've promised to judge and punish, I also promise to restore and forgive and to bless. And my promises for restoration and blessing will be just as faithful as my promises to punish and to judge. So the first answer is, is anything too hard for me? No. Second part of the answer is, God knows what He's doing and has a purpose in His actions. We may not understand what He's doing, but God knows what He's doing. Do you believe that? Will you trust Him? That even though you don't understand, God is still all wise. He still does all things well. And He still works all things together for good to them that love Him and are the called according to His purpose. God knows what He's doing. And He reveals to Jeremiah, I know what I'm doing. I have a purpose in what I'm doing. And it will accomplish my purpose and will be a blessing to God's people. And then finally, the third thing that he mentions to him is a challenge in chapter 33, verse 2. Thus saith the Lord, the maker thereof, the Lord that formed it to establish it, the Lord is His name, call unto me, and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things that thou knowest not. Jeremiah You don't need to be perplexed. You don't need to be concerned. I know what I'm doing. Nothing is too hard for me. The problem with the Babylonians, the problem with the land, the problem with the finances says nothing's too hard for me. Trust me. Call unto me. And let me show you what I can do. Call unto me and I'll answer thee and show thee great and mighty things that are beyond your comprehension. Even as Paul tells us, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. That's the God that we serve. Who's made a name for himself and is continually making a name for himself today, and desires to show you and to make a name for himself in your life as you go forth to serve him. So whether you're perplexed or not, or when you go through the times of perplexity, remember, stay close to the Lord. Obey what you know God wants you to do, even if you don't understand it. Pray. Meditate on who the Lord is and what He's done. And then listen to His Word as He seeks to guide you and lead you. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word this morning. Thank You for the example of Jeremiah. Help us to follow in His footsteps. I pray You would increase the faith of each one that is here today. Help us to see You in Your glory and splendor, to know nothing's too hard for You,
that you have a purpose you want to take and use us for your glory like you did Jeremiah. It may not be easy. There will be struggles. But we're thankful that you're a great God, that you do great things, and you've challenged us to call upon you and let, us, let you show us great and mighty things that we know not, that you would be glorified in and through us. We thank and praise you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.